this morning, as we celebrate the communion table, my, my thoughts are somewhat simple. Um, we're going to look at a, a part of a verse out of chapter 1 of 1 John, and it's verse 7, but it's the last half of the verse. And I believe that, it, and I promise after that, we will go into chapter 2. Cross my heart, I hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, wash it out with ice cream, I promise. But, but for today, I just thought the relevance of, of what John writes in just a few short words really points to the celebration of, of the communion table. And, and as I was thinking about these words, they're, they're simple. They're very simple words for us. In fact, I would say that sometimes because they're so simple or, or we're just, we get used to them that we kind of gloss over them. But as I spent some time and just kind of letting them marinate in my soul, I just, I just came to that place of, of recognizing the weightiness and the sacredness of, of what he is what he's trying to communicate to us, what he is communicating to us. And so I think it's good for us to remember. It's good for us to be reminded. Whether, whether you've been in the church for many years, whether you've been following Jesus for many days, or you're here just kind of kicking the tires, it's, it's good to get to the simple truth of Jesus Christ. It's good to be in that simple place of understanding what this, this table, you know, we have bread and we have juice, but what it really means and the holiness and the sacredness of it. So Maureen, if you would put that first slide up. This is out of 1 John chapter 1. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It's my job as a pastor, I believe, that when I teach and when I preach, that I'm always teaching and preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. It always has to be centered right there. It has to be the foundation. It has to be the beginning. It's my job. It's my responsibility to preach and teach the Lord Jesus Christ. He has to be the center of all we do, of all we are, in our lives and, and in, in our community, to teach and to preach the Lord Jesus Christ, this essential, absolute truth. Essential, absolute truth that the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. In the Bible, there's these things called letters. In fact, we're reading a letter. We call them epistles. And they were written with a purpose. Not just to fill space. They just didn't run, you know, they wanted to fill some room and, you know, give it an extra couple pages in the book. These, these letters were written with a purpose. It's not some, some academic that wants to just kind of make a name for himself and write these really cool, confusing things down so that people will talk about it and discuss it thousands of years from now. That's not why these things were written. They were written by men who had a pastor's heart, who loved people, loved the church, and loved Jesus Christ. And these men, they're, they're early off in, the, in the, the church is in its infancy at this point. And they're writing these letters because people are struggling in areas of faith. 
And people can get confused and they don't quite understand sometimes like we all do. And they want to come alongside them as a pastor would and explain and encourage and sometimes rebuke and correct. But that's why these letters are written. And John is concerned in 1 John, he's concerned that people understand who Jesus Christ is. Who he is, who he is in relation to us, who we are into relation, in relationship to him. He's writing with a pastor's heart. He's writing out of concern and love for the truth. That the truth would never be skewed. That Jesus would be taught and preached Christ and Christ alone. And he wants to make sure of it. And so he's actually going to use some really harsh language as we, as we move through this letter. He's going to call some people the Antichrist. Now, that's, that's, that's not holding anything back right there. In fact, some of the people that are, that are um, teaching false things about Jesus, he's just going to call them an outright liar. Now, I would think that in our day and age, John would probably be considered a little insensitive to other people's feelings and beliefs. Maybe not politically correct. And I would have to say to that, yes. But he's teaching the truth of who Christ is. And it's Christ and Christ alone. And I believe that we can never overemphasize that that truth, that that fact. I don't think it could be spoken enough. The entire Old Testament points to Jesus. And the entire New Testament reveals him in person. The Messiah. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us. From all sin. I believe this is what kind of separates us from many other faith traditions. Jesus is not an idea. He's not a philosophy. He's not a symbol of how maybe we should live our lives. What is revealed to us in the, in the New Testament is Jesus is a person. Flesh and blood person. And I believe if we don't have that, we really have, we have nothing at all. Now... Don't get me wrong. Some good does come from philosophies and teachings about doing good to, uh, to fellow man. There, there is good, very good things that come out of agencies that serve and teach about love and teach about um, how to come alongside other people and help them. You know, with, with giving people food and clothes and water and just, and just helping them. The good comes from those things. A lot of good comes from those things, but those things in and of themselves, they are not Christianity. Those are just, those are just good things, but it's not Christianity. When Jesus gets watered down to becoming just a message of goodwill towards others, we have lost what the Bible speaks about the gospel. If we don't start with this person, Jesus, a flesh and blood person, we've got nothing to build upon. We've got nowhere to go. There's no good news. There's no hope. There's no reconciliation. There's no healing. There's no light. All we're left is, is to ourselves and our own vices and our own devices. To, and, and, and we just kind of, we kind of flounder in the darkness without the person of Jesus. We have nothing. We're left to our own thoughts 
our own strivings, our own tryings. Man, if I, if I, can, if I, can, just, if I can just get this, and, you, and this could be anything, if I can just get a better job, if I can just make more money, if I can just be a better person, if I can, if I can just stop drinking, if I can just start drinking, I mean, whatever this is, we're left to our own vices. And we have nothing without the person of Jesus. Christianity is Christ's. It centers around him. And all of our doctrine, all of our teaching, all of our theology has to be rooted in this person of Jesus Christ. Even John begins his letter uh, in, in, ch- in chapter 1 and verse 1. He says, um, uh, what's he say? I know this. That which was from the beginning... And he says, we've, we've heard him speak and we've touched him and we've seen him and we've wrestled with, with all that he has shown us. This man, this person is the word of life. This is a doctrine of flesh and blood. This is a doctrine of a living person who walked this earth just like we have. And this person, this Jesus, is the only way to the Father. This person, Jesus, is the only way for us to be forgiven of our sin. It's the blood of Jesus, his son, that purifies us from all sin. And so he is the absolute link to the Father. He is not negotiable. And I hope that you can see how important this is. I hope that you get a sense for how important he is. And yet this Jesus has been a stumbling block for so many people throughout the centuries. This is the back half of a verse And he's not just kind of throwing something in at the end of a long theological dissertation. It's not just for Phil. These few words, this short part of a sentence is more than a passing idea. This is, at its foundation, the complete teaching of who Jesus is. And this is, this is everything that the New Testament points to. And yes, there's a bunch of other things that, that come around it, that add to it, that lift it up, that, that unpack and expound upon it. But this, this is foundational. This is just fundamental of who Jesus is. The writers of the New Testament never get away from this one point. They never get away from this. They never diverge. They're always reminding us of who Jesus is. The forgiveness of sin comes from him. Because they realize and they recognize how important he really is. And I would say this verse as I was thinking about it. It it pulls us into history. It pulls us into history. Our faith is rooted in a historical context with a historical person. 
as real as Alexander the Great, as real as Julius Caesar, and all the things that have been written about them. People are more apt to believe all the stuff, the historical stuff written about those people. But when it comes to Jesus, oh, no, that's just made up stuff. Mm -hmm. Our faith finds its roots in history, in a reality. It's based upon historical context, based on a living person. It's not, it doesn't find its roots. It doesn't find its beginning in ideas and philosophies and arguments, which it seems that we Christians kind of all get all caught up in. I'm talking about a person. I'm talking about the Son of God, Jesus Christ, His Son, God's Son. There's documented things about his life, the things that he did, the things that he said. He was a baby and he was born like most of you have been. I don't believe anybody was hatched, Betsy. Maybe built. And he... We don't like to think of the humanity of Jesus as a baby. Jesus soiled diapers as a baby. You might think that's funny, but this is the person of Jesus. And he grew to be a toddler. And he grew to be a waddler. And he grew to be a junior high kid who probably was a pain in the neck at times. Because he was a person. And he grew to be a young man. And then he worked as a carpenter. He had skills, marketable skills. He had a job. He built things. Jesus, the Son of God. And then there was these three years of, of public ministry. Three years that would change the world. And then this Jesus would die. He was killed on the cross. That wasn't the last word. He rose from the dead. In the flesh and in the blood, he rose from the dead. And now he's seated with the Father. You know, being a pastor, people want to poke fun at Christianity around me sometimes, especially my old, old friends. <laughs> Gotta love those guys. And, and, and so when we are challenged with things about our faith, um, and you should be challenged. People should be picking on you because you're a Christian People should be making fun of you because that means you're living your faith out loud. You're living your faith out in the public. And that's, that's a good thing. But when people challenge us, you know, they, they come with all these half-witted ideas and all this, these, these kind of corny things. And uh, I always thought, I always believed that it was just enough that we, if we would just share our story. That's all we really had to do. Just share our story. What faith and what Christ has done in our lives. And that would, that would be enough, that, that Jesus has renewed me, and he's, he's healed me, and he's, he's freed me. But as I've been studying this letter, as I've been really thinking this through, I don't think that we can just stop at our own story. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't even begin with our own story. I am, I am very grateful for my conversion experience I'm very grateful that, that God has written this amazing story of redemption and healing and wholeness in my life. And I'm, and I'm always amazed that, that sometimes I can sit down and tell the stories of what God has done in my life. And I love them. I love that what, what God has kind of put back together. Now, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but 
before Christ, I was quite a mess. I know you'd never think that now, but, but, but I was. And, and I love the story of Jesus kind of putting it all back together again. But my story, our stories, they're not the ultimate proof of Jesus Christ's. It's not the final proof of the, of the person of Jesus. History is our proof that he was a man, that he walked this earth. The historical account of Christ, born and he lived and he died and he rose. Jesus, the truth of the gospel is based in history, not in hearsay, not in philosophy. Jesus, his son, God's son. You know, the story at 12 years old, he's, he's supposed to be with his parents, but yet he's, he's back at, uh, at the temple. And, he, and, he's, and all the, all the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, they're amazed at his teaching. But Mary and Joseph, they're not too pleased with this 12-year-old boy. And they go back, and I think the Gospels are very, they're very gentle. Oh, and we read it as, oh, where, where would you think I would be? I'd had to be at my father's house doing his business. I think he was just a young, cocky 12-year-old. And I could see Joseph grabbing him by the ear and going, come on, boy, we're going, you're coming with me. Jesus was, was a real boy. And he was a carpenter, and he built things, and he repaired things. I can see him haggling the price for the work that he has done. Thinking it through and, and going into town and buying food, buying clothes. Jesus, the Son of God, outside, no different from us. Jesus got hungry, and he got tired. Jesus, his Son, God's Son. But on the inside, there was something very different, something sacred and holy beyond what we can ever fully understand, I think. I think it's said no more beautifully than in Paul's writing in his letter to the Philippians. Maureen, would you put the next slide up? This is out of Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Such a profound understanding of Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Humiliation that he would willing, willingly endure he made himself nothing. He wasn't forced into it. He wasn't uh, fooled into it. He wasn't coerced into it. 
He, he wasn't made into nothing by the Father. It said he made himself nothing. He did it on his own. Having all of eternity inside of him and with him and everything that is God in him, he let it go for us. He let everything go so that we can have everything. Jesus, the Son of God. And yet he never stopped being God. And as a man, he would go to the cross. And as God, he would go to the cross. Flesh and blood, God's son. And he came to us in the likeness of of sinful flesh. But yet he never sinned. He is God and he is man. Jesus, the son of God. Two very different natures in one person. This is the son of God. Jesus. And these two natures, they didn't co-mingle with each other. It's the mystery of our faith. God, the God nature in Christ did not make the man some superhuman hero. Jesus, Jesus, he was tired and he was hungry and he suffered all of the things that we suffer. And yet the man that Jesus was did not in any way water down his God nature. It's the mystery and the beauty and the sacredness of our faith. Jesus, his son, God's son, he came to test death. Can we go to the next slide? In this simple statement, John is correcting the false teachings that were starting to take place in the church. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And see, what was being taught in the church was that Jesus Christ, when he was born as a baby, that he was just a normal everyday baby. There was nothing special about him. There was nothing sacred about him. There was nothing divine about him. He was just a person. So there was no virgin birth. God was not born from a woman. And that at his baptism, when we read in the gospel that the, the, the dove comes down upon him, at his baptism, the, the divinity, the eternal Christ entered into this man. And so he became the divine, the sacred. He became Messiah at that point. And for three years, almost in a possession type way, that God, the eternal Christ, has taken over this man. And he had this ministry for three years. But then, then he goes to the cross. And in that moment on the cross, this eternal Christ, the divinity of God, God himself, comes out of the body. And so God never dies. The Son of God never dies. Just a man on the cross. This is what John is correcting This is what he's trying to make them understand. No, no, you're you're missing the point that the blood of Jesus, his son, God's son, purifies us from all our sin. That other stuff, John says, no, that's that's not the way it happens. And what I what I love the fact is that that every false teaching that we encounter in 2014 about Jesus Christ, it's nothing new. It's all started from way, way back. There has been heresy as far back as we have recorded history. And we human beings were just not that creative. Yeah, we made the 3D printer and the super collider and and we put a man on the moon. But when it comes to heresy, we just seem to just rehash the same old things over and over and over again. And the blood of Jesus purifies us. 
It's not the blood of a man. It's not the blood of a goat. It's not the blood of a bull. It's, it's the son of God who died. He was born into this world. He lived in this world. He went to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And it's the, it's the spilling of his blood that is the only way that the gates of heaven have been opened for all to, who believe. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He came to taste death for every person. He died because it was the only death that can save us. It was the only way that we could be saved. The blood of Jesus, his son, nothing else could save humanity. Nothing else can offer us salvation. Someone who is man, but yet is more than man. In that man is the divinity of all. That's God. Perfection. There is no darkness in him. Perfect righteousness. Perfect justice can only be satisfied with a perfect offering. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all our sin. And so as we come to the celebration table this morning, I want to ask you to take some time and remember the love that this table represents to you. Remember just how unworthy we are to receive it. Remember the love that endured betrayal and abuse and jealousy and hatred and violence for us willingly remember the love that was tortured and beaten and then took the cross on his shoulders remember the love that walked through the streets with people spitting at him and jeering him calling him names Remember the love that would fall under the weight of that cross and stagger to get back up again. Because he loved us. And he willingly gave himself for us. Remember the love that stretched out his hands and allowed the nails to pierce through. Remember the love that, that allowed his feet to be nailed. And remember the love that allowed the spear into his side for us. Jesus, God's son, who through his blood purifies us from all sin. Remember the love that, that as he hung on the cross and as he felt his life slipping away, he could have changed it. He could have came down. He could have said enough, but he didn't. And in his last moment, feeling the weight of our sin on his shoulder, yelled out, Father, why have you forsaken me? The love of Jesus, his son, the blood of Jesus, his son, it purifies us from all sin. It truly is an amazing love. It truly is an amazing love that all who would believe would not perish, but have eternal life. But not just eternal life, wholeness today, grace today, mercy today. Jesus, the Son of God. Let that marinate in your heart and soul a little bit this morning. 
And as is our tradition, uh, we'll come forward together, uh, take the, the bread and the cup, and then we'll take, we'll take the elements together. Jesus, we thank you for your willingness and love for us to go to the cross Thank you, your invitation is to all people. To come and be forgiven. To enter into life. Abundant, eternal life. Pray that we would never forget, Lord, the sacrifice that was made because you love us. Pray that we would never forget that amazing love. That our King would die for us. Lord, help us to walk in that reality, that love. Help us to walk in the forgiveness that has been purchased by Christ and the cross. Help us to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's been given to us through his resurrection. And help us to give that all away to others. The truth of Jesus Christ. That the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I will see you next week.